Sometimes I'm so goddamn funny, and for what? God, our podcast is so good. Quality entertainment for people who are still watching Glee in 2023. Hello, and welcome to the Sing Stations podcast. My name is Olive, and I would like to share with you um, the strengths and weaknesses of the character Cooper Anderson, as noted on the Glee Wikia. His strengths are attractive. And his weaknesses are attention. Hi, I'm Eliza. And a fun fact about me is that people are like, oh, yeah, Matt Bomber, he was in that thing. And the only thing I can think of is when he was on Glee. Yeah. And then before you knew he was on Glee, you just didn't know who he was at all. Like, that's just true. I wish that I was joking. I had no idea who this fool was until he was on Glee. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's this guy who's on Glee. And he was on Glee. I know I mentioned it at the end of the previous episode, too, but this episode definitely whitewashes Blaine. Like, are we just going to ignore that? They say they're full brothers, but Matt Bowman is white and Blaine Anderson is not. I don't know, man. Maybe. (sighs) There's no maybe. Maybe their parents have. Maybe their parents have been lying to them their whole lives and they're actually half brothers. (laughs) In which case, does I I can't get into that. Anyway, um, let's let me just hop into this episode. As you might remember, um, Quinn got hit by a car last week. Last episode, just for a recap, really, really quick. We had Karofsky suicide attempt. We had regionals. We had almost Finn and Rachel wedding. We had Quinn getting hit by a car. All in one, like, 45-minute episode. Yeah. An hour with commercials, barely. So at the beginning of this episode, we are greeted by uh, Finn and Rachel deciding, you know, it's best that we didn't get married. And maybe it's better that we spend a little more time, which, yes, good. Yes. Yes, that's correct. That's what everyone has been saying. Yeah. This whole entire season. What I specifically have been saying this whole entire season. Yeah. and and. Rachel's like, oh, I can't even think of the wedding right now. I just want to think about Quinn. And then who should show up behind her but Quinn? And she is in a wheelchair. Uh, I guess, you know, they explain it in a little bit, but basically, like, her spine was pretty messed up after the accident. She, um, I guess, has kind of lost feeling in her bottom half so far. And uh, so she is in a wheelchair. And they're like, oh my gosh, we missed you. And th- you know, we hope you're okay. And she's like, don't you worry about me. I'm just glad I didn't die. And we dive right into their cover of I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Bonkers. You know, at least she had practice already being in a wheelchair because of the horrible Proud Mary cover that they did. I and the choreography just, for that. The The friendship between Quinn and Artie is so interesting as two characters who have never really interacted before and now she's kind of forced to kind of see Artie in a new light because she is literally on his physical level now and it actually gets into some pretty interesting conversations about like ableism in later episodes but we'll put a pin in that for now the way he just like rolls up to her in the hallway and they're like come on Artie I'll race you to the choir room and we're just hopping into this very like tongue-in-cheek I'm still standing number and it's like 
ooh, they thought they were being so clever with this. Are you still standing, Quinn? Are you? I mean, like, in that she didn't die, yes. Yeah, but... yeah, but it's just, like, within the context of, like, Glee is a show that people wrote, I understand why this choice was made. In the context of these are, like, Artie's a junior, so... Like a 17 and an 18 year old, a choice that they made, I would not say that this makes sense. Absolutely not. I also don't believe that Artie and Quinn could become close friends that quickly, really. When again, they've not interacted at all before this, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it's it's weird, not understandable choices all around. But I was going to say, but the cover sounds good, but like, I don't even think it sounds that good. <laughs> Yeah, like it's fine. I like both of their voices, and then when both of their voices blend together, I'm like, yeah, th that's two good voices singing. And the number ends, and Quinn's like, all right, everyone, I learned my lesson. Don't text and drive. It's the stupidest thing I've ever done, besides sleeping with Puck. And it's it, it gets a little bit on that air of PSA that Glee does occasionally when they're really- A little bit? Yeah, they're really trying to drive home that message. This is, I think, the most egregious that Glee gets with that. I disagree. I think I think the alcohol episode was the most confusing with it. This plotline, I do feel, at least sparks some interesting conversations about ableism within the outcasts, the so-called outcasts of the Glee Club. But I don't think we get into that quite yet. It's more once Quinn starts her physical therapy, I think. And that whole thing that happens with Joe and his savior complex. Yeah, but we haven't even met him. Oh, wait, no, we have met him yet. He's just so We have met him very briefly during the is it okay to be homophobic if it's for religious reasons. Um, He's just so forgettable. I couldn't. Uh... He really is. It. I feel bad saying it, but it's true. She promises to everyone in the Glee Club that by the time they go to Nationals, she will be out of the chair and dancing on the stage. And it's like, okay. And then we cut to um, Figgins announcing to Sue that he has made Roz Washington, played by the fabulous NeNe Leakes, uh, the official coach of the Cheerios. Which um, is obviously upsetting to Sue because this is like her entire career. And yeah. it's because, it's not because Sue is a racist. It's not because she has horribly abused all of the high schoolers at the school. No, no, no. It's because she was 15 minutes late to a regionals tournament for the Cheerios. They don't really address that this is like pregnancy discrimination. I, so I feel but, like, like that's they, what it is. I feel like they this is their way to di directly address pregnancy discrimination. I think they're just doing it badly. They're very clearly showing us Sue lost her job because she had a doctor's appointment affiliated with her pregnancy. That is very clearly spelled out discrimination against a pregnant woman. However, it's like not treated with any seriousness. It's just kind of it's in this scene and then just kind of left out there. Because it's happening to Sue, it's like, haha, she lost her job because she's pregnant. Well, like, if this was happening to Emma, if Emma was pregnant and was told you can't be the guidance counselor anymore because you have doctor's appointments, like, then that would obviously be a very serious thing that, you know, Will and the Glee kids would sing songs about and be upset about. But because it's Sue, it's like, haha, old lady having a baby. 
Roz does have a good line here. She says, I understand that keeping bats out of your womb is an important part of having a baby when you're older than God. I Okay, so the character of Roz Washington, I don't particularly enjoy because her whole thing is that she's mean. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the Sue that treats, she's the character that treats Sue like Sue treats everyone else. Sure. But just like with Sue, she gets some bangers in there. Yeah. And so this sets up a bit of, I think Sue already said in the previous episode that, like, she wants to help the Glee Club just out of the goodness of her cold, shriveled heart. But they also set up in the scene that if the Glee Club wins nationals, the school wins a $10,000 cash prize. And so Sue says that if she can get the school that money, that she will get to run the cheerleading program alone. Which I don't feel like we totally needed because, again, like, she already agreed, but I guess maybe they needed to give her more of a motive because it wasn't very believable that she would just do it because she wants to. Also, here's the thing. Okay, so they win a $10,000 cash prize. Doesn't the Glee Club get that? Uh, The school gets it. I can see it being awarded to just McKinley High in a general sense. We cut to a dance rehearsal for the Glee Club and everyone is doing badly as sue shouts at them and they're doing like chicken dance moves and rachel's doing like a little like miming a hat like the frog from that one looney tunes cartoon as we can never really forget this uh awful like weirdly pinned character trait of mercedes being lazy she is texting during the rehearsal which is obviously a no-no don't text during rehearsal and sue rips her phone out of her hand and throws it into the into the stands or into the audience and and amber riley goes my droid which hysterical um as as an android owner i need to start using that whatever i oh my droid whenever i drop my phone it it's extremely funny um finn then walks in as well and says gang i booked a tour at the railroad museum on friday which means we're gonna have an awesome seniors ditch day and i just want to say i think it would be great to go to a railroad museum i agree i would love to uh, granted i'm a niche museum lover anyway and we know this about me well you and i know this about me i don't know if anyone else listening to this podcast knows this about me I forgot as well, but after Sue throws Mercedes's phone, Brad fist pumps. He's like, yes! Which odd, odd choice to have made. I like when they, whenever they give Brad anything to do. I agree, I think it's... A, oh, this does set up something for the plot of the episode, too, that there's like an upcoming senior ditch day. Yeah, that's important. And Granted, do- we were homeschool seniors, so we never got what the big deal with that was. If I wanted to ditch a day, I was just like, Mom, I'm going to do twice as much schoolwork tomorrow. Peace. Also, like, my understanding is that sometimes seniors in high school, like, don't even have that many classes or, like, don't even have school every day of the week if they've finished enough credits. So, like, it doesn't even seem applicable to everyone. I don't know how public school works. And also, I don't care to because I don't need to. Me neither. Anyway, um, this is the confirmation then as well that Sue has taken over the dance booty camp that is used to, like, go over choreography and stuff and so she is just berating them she's calling them out of shape and lazy and narcissistic 
bloated bags of cellulite who will stab each other in the back at the first glimpse of a solo which i mean i rachel berry would she would that's not an unfair point obviously the glee kids have a problem with this as well because they don't like being yelled at funnily enough and sue is like well you know the glee kids are just unprofessional i'm just treating them like adults and like professionals but will goes no you can't yell at children and he's like well we should try to inspire them not humiliate them and she's like what do you mean i have to try a method where i don't humiliate the children that's my whole thing i mean it is she's not being wrong she does also share too that like part of the reason she's been so intense is because she's like hormonal because of the pregnancy and she shares with Will and Emma that she is going to the appointment to find out the sex of the baby um, that upcoming week or whatever. And Will and Emma are like, oh my goodness, you can't go to that alone. You need a friend there for moral support. Um, I have to say, if you want to go to that alone, go to that alone. I can kind of see the character motivation for Emma and Will going just because like they're so golden-hearted pure-hearted protagonists of this show but i would also understand if sue was like no i'm doing the single mom thing on my own also of all the appointments to need moral support for i wouldn't say the finding out the sex of the baby is one of the more like emotionally brought ones i would say you would need moral support if you like found out something bad about the baby yeah, it's, I, granted, I've never been pregnant and I have absolutely no plans to be, but I feel like the, this one's not like a huge deal unless you slash and your partner feel strongly about this, which she doesn't have a partner, so. Yeah. Um, and speaking of moral support, actually, you know what, before I get into the next scene, I just want to make a comment. I feel like they're adding more hair gel into Darren Chris's hair every goddamn episode. It's like every time I look at him he did a live on like the 10th or 11th anniversary of the first episode he was in never been kissed Mm -hmm. um and he fully took ownership of the hair gel thing Mm -hmm. and he was like yeah i just told him that it gets slicked back and it just got to a point where it was absurd but it was all my fault because i told him to just keep doing it because i didn't know how to do my actual hair which is kind of on the stylists for not knowing how to deal with like not white people hair but also, it does get very egregious. It's not Darren Chris's fault that, like, hairstylists in Hollywood do not know how to deal with, like, curly-ish, wavy-ish hair remotely. But I think there's been this clear progression to the point where I look at Blaine now and I just feel like his hair would be wet to the touch. As someone who has accidentally put too much gel in my hair, I know that you put your hands in that shit and it goes crunch. Anyway, we he introduces us to um his brother who is visiting, um named Cooper Anderson, uh who is taller than him, and uh Kurt immediately recognizes as the guy from these credit score commercials. I think it is, and he's also like a musical talent because the commercials have him singing. So I guess he's like a flop from Progressive type character in their world. I guess. They say he had sex with Flo from Progressive, so that's why I'm using her as, like, a reference point. He is a, you know, famous commercial... The Geico Gecko of a human. Yeah. 
Oh, doesn't he look like the Geico Gecko? He kind of looks like the Geico Gecko. And then also, as Kurt and Blaine are talking to him in the hallway, Sue comes up and goes, oh, I'm a huge fan of your work. Will you sign my breast? And unzips her top and has him sign her breast. Insane. And he says, because his commercial is on hiatus, um, he, you know, just wanted some time away from like the gritty LA scene. He wants more time to study his acting roots, get into more character stuff. And so he's like taking a break to come back to Ohio and just like spend time with his family. I have to ask, how much gritty character stuff are you going to get out of Ohio? Lima, Ohio? Well, the joke is that he's this nothing nobody nobody who's not very talented. Well, there's also that. And Blaine is like, well, that's obviously why I never really talk about my brother, because he's, like, kind of embarrassing to be around. And also everyone just, like, knows him for his fame. And it kind of uh, obviously, like, takes attention away from Blaine. And honestly, like, Blaine is valid for not particularly liking his brother. But then there's a little part of me that's like, Blaine's kind of an attention whore to, like, not be able to deal with the fact that his brother is also well-known. There's a difference between, like, yeah, I have a brother, I don't really talk about him, and you have a brother? Which is the energy that everyone else in this episode, like, everyone seems genuinely surprised that Blaine has a sibling. I think the writers were genuinely surprised (laughs) that Blaine has a sibling. Well, there is that. I think Blaine was genuinely surprised that Blaine has a sibling. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like for for Blaine to be very much like the star of the Warblers and now to have come to McKinley and be like the star of the New Directions, it's very hard for him to deal with the fact that his brother is more famous than him or gets more attention than him. We come from there to the 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 seniors discussing what they want to do for Senior Ditch Day. Rachel's like, I want to do a Sondheim-themed scavenger hunt. And everyone goes... I wanna, well, we're going to say really, really quick. Yes. Someone does call Cooper Gaston, which is yeah. hilarious to me. Oh, he looks like Gaston. That's what Matt Bomer looks like. Anyway, everyone's like, no, Rachel, that's a terrible idea. And then Mike suggests a movie marathon of the movies of Footloose and then the remake of Footloose. I'm game. I'm down. And, oh, I can't remember who says it. Uh, Brittany says, I want to see something give birth. And then while they're all having a nice, fun time planning everything, Rachel's got to bring down the energy. It goes, Quinn, I'm so sorry. It was my wedding that you were driving to when you got into your car crash. And it's it's completely <laughs> my fault. And- Rachel Berry versus making everything about her 100% L rate. She ends it with, and we're just ignoring the fact that Quinn's here sitting in that chair. And it's like, yeah, Rachel, we are going to ignore the fact that she's sitting in the chair because when you know that someone is in a wheelchair, you don't have to keep mentioning it to them. What do yeah, you, mean? you just have to like plan accordingly. Like you, yeah. you want to go somewhere that's accessible. Make a list of three things. Take 15 minutes to Google them all. Figure out which has the best accessibility. Go with that. Yeah, it's really so easy. And I do it's think it's so is, easy. You know, Glee kind of off the bat confronts like the accessibility issue. And they have previously in episodes about Artie. But now that Quinn is more so a main character for us to focus on, we get to focus on it more. 
And I think it's good that Quinn says my accident does not define me and it doesn't ruin our senior year. And we're not going to dwell on this. Um, I think she says she suggests that they should go to six flags, which I think is like kind of an okay option. I do think Quinn is perhaps not thinking ahead to accessibility issues that she might experience yet. But we kind of put a pin in that for now. Because a lot of theme parks are not particularly accessible either. In a way, I feel like it has not really hit Quinn that she's disabled, if that makes sense. Yeah, agree. As all of the kids get up to leave, Puck pulls Finn aside in the library and shows him all these pictures of like great entrepreneurs. The Apple guy. The Facebook guy. Abraham Lincoln. And he suggests that um, they move to L.A., and expand Puck's pool cleaning business because, you know, LA is a sunnier state and there's going to be more pools and there's going to be more of a market to clean pools. And so he wants Finn to come with him. He says, with your brains and my jawline, I'm telling you, we kill it. And I just want to say, if Finn is the brains of your operation, that's a bad plan. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a Finn lover, but he's not the brains of any operation. Who's doing the bills for this LLC? I need to know. Um, uh, would they even register as an LLC? Because I don't think that they would. I don't think Puck knows what an LLC is. Um, I don't think Puck can spell LLC. <laughs> uh, and and Finn says, to, says, you know, no, I'm moving to New York with Rachel. But Puck's like, okay, well, is that really going to happen? Because what if she doesn't get into school and what if you guys don't get married right away like you're not going to be tied to her um and so that kind of starts spreading the seeds of doubt and of course rachel's never been particularly supportive of like finn going off and doing his own thing either so you know we'll see like it's it's feeding directly into all of the parts of finn that we're like gotta get married we cut into the glee club where sue has written lazy idiots on the board Lazy idiots, your leader, Will Schuster, has informed me that my teaching methods are harsh and too extreme. So I've decided to show you what a real artist looks and acts like. Ladies and gays is my gift to you, which you do not deserve. I give you Porcelain's famous brother and Blingo's. Actually, it's my brother, Cooper Anderson. Thank you, Sue. Namaste. Yes. Everything about this is comedy gold. And so he, you know, starts off this beautiful speech about like, one day I was a nothing little nobody like all of you guys. Uh, but now I'm a big, huge celebrity and I'm going to be gifting all of my amazing, talented advice to all of you. And I'm going to be teaching a master class in acting uh, out of the goodness of my own heart. I want to say something here, what? which is that me as a 25 year old. I look at this and I go, I wouldn't have fallen for this crap. But then I think about, like, how insane I was about the relatively unpopular actor who played Feely the Dwarf in the Hobbit movies. And if it had been him, lost my mind, I would have been worse than these Glee Club kids. But that's the Hobbit movies, not a commercial spot fair that's a very good point and i do feel a little bit better now but yeah it just like it i feel like within every teenager who is attracted to men there is this tiny little part of them that like has the one that they'd go crazy over 
But like, here's the thing. Never once in my life have I had a crush on my friend's brother. And I feel that's the thing that breaks this for me, I think. It's the the friend's brother aspect. I'm like, mm, not touching that one. Matt Bomer shares that like, oh, Blaine and I are pretty famous in our neighborhood where we come from. And Blaine is like, no, 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 I don't want to perform with my brother because why would he? They, you know, coax him into performing and they do a mashup of Hungry Like the Wolf and Rio by Duran Duran. Which genuinely this fucks so hard. It's such a good performance. Like, Darren Chris really knows how to put on a show. And Matt Bomer's keeping up with him, which is a strong thing to say. Considering it really, this, when we that. first started watching Glee, this was the first mashup where I was like, oh, I get it. I'm just going to listen to this on repeat. I think this ended up on my top 100 songs on Spotify in 2020. It took you till season three, episode 15 to realize that the music on Glee was good. That the mashups on Glee were good. There are significant portions of the choreography here, too, that have uh, Santana and maybe a couple other characters open mouth gasping at them it's crazy they have it basically fully choreographed which does tell us that they've done this before they have rehearsed this and then towards the end matt bomer pushes blaine into or or back into his uh seat with that we end the scene there because i guess glee club is just for one kid to perform and then that's it when has it not been we cut to um Matt Bomer at um, the Breadsticks restaurant and he is doing a Scottish accent as he puts in his order and like the waitress thinks that he's Scottish but then he like reveals to Blaine that like oh I'm just trying out new accents the service industry is a great place to try out new accents I just I have to roll my eyes so hard and I know that if I moved to LA I would meet 20 of this guy every single day and it makes me mad. Also, like, servers are not stupid. I feel like the server kind of clocked that he was doing a bit. And she was like, I don't get paid enough to deal with this. Sure, man. What part of Ireland are you from? Okay, see, I'm going to reveal a deep truth now. And sometimes when I would get really bored when I was working my old retail job, I would, especially when I was working the cash register, I would do a British or an Australian accent just because I would be barely speaking to them, just asking, like, do you want a bag? Did you find everything okay today? Did you want some samples? Very easy questions. I would absolutely fake an accent during those interactions, and no one ever said anything. No, because that's different, because you're the person working in the service industry, whereas that's a customer. Anytime I have to be a customer, I feel bad. You're disregarding the amount of disrespect that customers at that mall had for workers. So anyway... Cooper tries to like critique Blaine's version of Rio and his dancing to which Blaine is immediately like, Hey man, can you not tell me that I suck at everything? Like that's so Cooper says you were a little pitchy on Rio and your moves lacked a theme. And Blaine goes, my theme was dancing. Cooper says Stanislavski says the fingers are the eyes of the body, but he never mentioned that the toes are the ears. I hate everything that comes out of his mouth. The They do a little cut where we see Blaine and Cooper as little kids and Cooper is critiquing Blaine's dancing as well. 
And the young Cooper Anderson is played by Dylan Sprayberry, known for his role on Teen Wolf. Fuck, I don't know the character's name off the top of my head. I just know he was on it. Oh my god. Also, I I just looked him up on... I just googled this man. He is one day older than I am. Oh, wild. You could have been on Glee. That could have been you. (laughs) That could have been me. Playing a young... Playing a young Quinn Fabray. Oh, I was going to say playing a young Matt Bomer. And so Cooper is obviously not receptive to any of the complaints that his brother has. And he's like, well, you know, I'm just here to get to know my family and spend time with you guys. Uh, So, like, you'll come to my master class tomorrow. And Blaine's like, fine, whatever. We cut to Artie and Quinn outside the school. And they are, he is showing her the so-called accessibility ramp at the school, which is actually quite long and steep. And, like, very hard to go up if you don't have the arm strength to, you know, be pushing yourself in a wheelchair. Because, like, it is hard to maneuver in a wheelchair. And you have to have a lot of arm strength to constantly be pushing yourself everywhere. Quinn, you know, tries it. And she is doing pretty well. She gets, like, about halfway up. And and Artie's like, push, push. And she starts laughing because she's like, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Which is a cute little moment. Yeah, I, I like the building of their friendship. And she says, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, which is really interesting, honestly, um, considering the things she's been through. Yeah, like she is literally given birth. And Artie then takes this moment to say, you know, if you thought going up one accessibility ramp was difficult, Six Flags is going to be really hard for you which in case anyone doesn't know six flags is an amusement park and quinn's like no it's senior ditch day it's the only one i'm ever gonna have like i just want to do what everyone else is doing and he's like why don't we plan something else that will be fun for the two of us because honestly like Artie wouldn't be able to go to six flags let's say Artie was in this group of seniors he would just be completely left out if the rest of them were planning to go to six flags And, like, that's just not something considered at all. And I do think, even though Quinn was the one to suggest Six Flags, like you said before, I think they should have come up with multiple options and then investigated the accessibility for each of those options. And we cut from there to the Cooper Anderson acting master class, where he goes, buckle your seatbelts, because I'm about to pour you a tall glass of this is how it is. First thing you want to know, don't go to college. Number two, don't go to New York, which is rough because those are like the two things that Rachel Berry and Kurt Hummel are all about. And he says theater is lame and Broadway is dead. I want that on a t-shirt. I want theater is lame and Broadway is dead on a shirt. Um, Real actors do TV and film, which means Hollywood is where it's at. And he shows them all his beautiful, handsome headshots. And tells them you you always need to be striking a pose and doing a turn. And then once you have your sides, once you're in for a callback, uh, you have to figure out, is it comedic or is it dramatic? Often it's hard to tell. So what it's do you do? It's so not. Ask the director. Which, if you need to ask the director well, whether a scene is comedic or dramatic, ooh... I know the point of it is that it's so stupid, but, like, this is so stupid. And also, I just know that, like, you know, 
Cooper Anderson is going in and fucking up these auditions, and there's like 20 more Matt Bomer clones right outside the door coming in and doing a much better audition than Cooper. So, which is like, why he's only done freecreditscore.com commercials. Yeah, because he's handsome and he can sing. Um, and he's like, the key to a dramatic scene is pointing. When people are emotional, they point their fingers a lot. And Blaine finally stands up and is like, that is not true. This is horrible advice. And he's like, are you an internationally beloved spokesman for the internet's fastest growing credit score website? I didn't think so. And Matt Bomer shuts Blaine down. I mean, Blaine isn't, but he can also be right still. He also then recommends not to make eye contact with your scene partner. Sometimes it's best to just tune them out entirely and wear earplugs. Untrue. He says, that way I don't get distracted by what they're doing and I can focus on the awesome acting choices I've planned ahead of time. And then he he's brought in some sides from an NCIS audition he had, which you're not allowed to take sides from an audition. I don't know why he has these. You um, so are not. And he has, I think it's Rachel and blaine read for the roles but they are of course bad at them and and blaine again explodes and is like you know you're my brother cooper can you just support me and and instead of answering him cooper goes i'm sorry are you talking to me right now i can't tell if you're talking to me if you don't point your finger which is on it honestly that is such sibling shit to pull and I have to move on because it, it makes me want to strangle him. Anyway, we cut to um Finn and Puck doing their pool cleaning thing. And Finn's not really doing the pool cleaning. He's just like hanging out with the the lady who owns the house. As they're talking about going into business, she says, well, I would love to be a partner and like give you guys more money if you think the business would really be good. Um, honestly, she just seems to be more like flirting with them, which obviously like which puts this idea- that is a teenager. And Puck is like, well, you heard Blaine's brother. L.A. is where it's at, and if Rachel wants to move as well, then she can just get on TV instead of on Broadway. And and like, there's tons of acting, there's tons of colleges. Like, there's no reason not to at this point. Just do L.A. And then we cut to Sue's appointment at the doctor, where she says. I can barely focus. The thought of a boy clinging to my insides is making me nauseous. And I think it's Emma who suggests, like, well, if you're not sure, maybe you could just wait to find out the sex of the baby. Because, you know, ultimately, it's not super important anyway. And... Yeah, you're having whatever baby you end up having. Yeah. And as they go into the, the room with the doctor, the doctor asks, oh, is this the father to Will? it makes me want to throw up and sue is like no these are my friends and you know they can just hang out and get the test results with me and they tell sue that the baby is a girl and she's very happy about that however her amnio came back with irregularities which is a little worrying but we're gonna put a pin in that for now we don't know what that means yet um we cut to Cooper taking a picture with Rory in the hallway and Rory asks have you met George Clooney and Cooper says not yet but I have had sex with the progressive insurance lady insane 
Well, and and Blaine comes up to him and is like, you're being, you know, so uppity and just also hanging out at a high school all day is like so not a cool thing to do for what, like a 30 year old. Yeah, I don't Maybe like not. any of this. Maybe not 30, but he's he's like a good decade older than Blaine. They are not close in age. And he's like, well, I just got an audition for a Michael Bay movie, and it's untitled, which you know is code for Transformers 4. And Blaine's like, well, you don't seem very happy for me where I'm at right now. And he says, it wouldn't kill you to smile. And Cooper goes, well, it wouldn't kill you to stop letting Kurt pick out your clothes. Shut the fuck up! Also, he looks great, aside from the hair gel thing. He looks great. It is still giving, like, the only thing we know how to put gay men in is bow ties. But, like, he's pulling it off. He then sings, diegetically, Christina Aguilera's Fighter, which is probably one of my favorite Blaine solos on this show. He, what's the number between seven and nine? Because he ate. And that's what I have to say. The script said, be blunt, and Darren Chris heard, surf cunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a part of the choreography he's performing in the auditorium in front of a big, huge, like, tower of screens behind him that are playing his brother's credit score commercial, which is just so camp. But of course, it, Darren's acting is, like, so intense and angry. You um, sure are a fighter, baby girl. And we cut to a little scene with Quinn and Finn where Finn is texting while walking in the hallway and almost hits her wheelchair and she's like oh texting while walking that's how I started this scene is so insane it is really weird and I guess she's trying to make the argument that like oh it's it's a small addiction and like you'll start texting while walking but then you next thing you know you can't stop looking at your phone and then you'll end up like me and it's so foreboding and weird well, Quinn, you've never been a great role model, okay? You're an example of what not to do, and we all know it. And she says, like, okay, no more texting, unless, um, you know, you're sitting down, not moving, not doing anything else. You cannot text. <laughs> Which is really interesting. And she also says, or, and Finn says, like, oh, well, I just wanted to confirm that you were getting a park ticket for Ditch Day. And she says, no. Artie and I have a special senior ditch day planned. and Which I do uh, think is sweet and cute. Yeah, I, I do really like them spending more time together. Um, I just think the whole, like, texting while walking is just as bad as texting while driving. I disagree. I don't think those are the same thing. Sure is not. I mean, you might bang into someone, but no one's gonna die. And then we cut to a scene with Becky and Sue, where... Becky's like oh I heard you're having a baby girl wanted to congratulate you oh and she's like giving Sue advice and Sue and Becky hug and it's very sweet because obviously she like views Becky as a daughter and she says yeah I am having a baby girl and she's gonna be just like you which is I I guess they confirm it for real later but she's meaning that the girl was confirmed to also have down syndrome um and she and Becky hug. And Becky's like, don't start lactating. And, and also says, work on your patience. Yeah, she says, can I give you a parenting tip? Work on your patience. Which is so sweet. I love that so much for them. And we then cut to Artie and Quinn's senior ditch day. Where they are at a super cool skate park. That is like specifically sectioned off 
for disabled people for the day. And so there are like amputees there and people in wheelchairs. Um, this looks like it kicks ass. Yeah, it looks super fun as fuck. And honestly, I would bet that Quinn has never even been to a skate park beforehand when she did have the use of her legs. I think this was a great idea for Artie. And they sing a song called Up, Up, Up by The Givers, which I genuinely, I know I've watched the episode. I could not tell you the tune to this song. Same. Big same. Hard same. Like, I would say, I would say what's more memorable about the scene is that they're montaging, like, Quinn and Artie having fun with all the other disabled kids mashed up with um, the rest of the seniors, like, going to the amusement park for the day. And they're both just having fun, having a good time. I bet the the actual actors just had to just got to go to an amusement park for a day and get filmed for a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, was probably great for them. At the end of that senior ditch day, however, Quinn turns to Artie and is like, well, that was really great, but I'm not in the same situation as you. Or says he this says is only it's... temporary. Doctor said, you know, it's only a matter of time before I have the use of my legs again. And Artie's like, Quinn, this is going to be hard to hear, but like, I one point thought the same, thought that I would regain use of my legs, and you might have to start dealing with the fact that you might never use your legs again. Like, that could be a reality here. And she is very resistant to that. And like, I understand that, like, it's a whole grieving process kind of thing of like the Hank Green has called it the uh, sudden obliteration of expectation. Oof, yeah. But also, like, girl. Yeah, I I think it's set up very clear-cut for us in the script, thankfully, where she's like, no, I'm, I'm going to Yale, I'm getting out of Lima, I'm going to walk again. And it's just very clear to Quinn that, like, she does not think she can do any of those things if she is disabled. Which she is perhaps right with, because I would bet you... That a lot of college campuses, a college campus, even like Yale, doesn't have a lot of accessibility options. Yeah. And it would make her life, it like she is having to reckon with the idea that my life is going to get exponentially harder after this. And she does not want to deal with that. And I think it is more confronted in later episodes, but I actually really appreciate Glee kind of portraying this this sort of ableism that a lot of the members of the glee club have where they are friends with Artie and they're not like openly mean and rude about the wheelchair to him but they're also like oh no i could never be in a wheelchair that's the most horrible thing to ever happen to anyone yeah and so it's it's very clear with Quinn here where she's like i'm not disabled that's i just can't be that's not who i am and Artie's like okay but you might be and you might have to start thinking about what if you know, you've kind of got a feel for her because like we said, it's, you know, her whole life has changed. But it's also like, maybe if you'd treated Artie better, that this wouldn't feel like such a drastic problem. Um, And then also there's a short scene next where she's trying to get into her locker, but she has one of the higher up lockers that she can only kind of reach. She can reach like the lock to it, but she can't reach the higher shelves. And so Joe comes along and like helps her put her books away. Can I say, in Quinn's locker is a picture of Finn dressed as Brad from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Genuinely funny. They weren't even dating during that episode. 
I also, I wasn't super clear on this, but I think one of the other pictures in the locker is Mercedes in the pajama jump outfit too, which was cute. Um, and Joe suggests that um, they could request that she get one of the lower down lockers. And Quinn's like, no, I'm going to keep my locker. It's the same locker I've had the entire time I've been here. And I'm going to keep this until I graduate. And Joe expresses, like, I've been praying for you. Quinn's like, oh, I've been praying, too. I've been praying that I can walk again. And he says, well, I don't pray for you to walk. I ask God to help you accept whatever your journey may be. Which is, like, kind of based for Joe to say. He's got a point. I will say he's got a point. However, whenever you know spiritually people have said that to me i've only wanted to commit murder i i can see both sides where like quinn's frustrated at people coming at her and being like you're disabled but also she is for the time being so um, yeah she says i appreciate your prayers but when you're done praying you get to get up off your knees and walk away and like i just i don't know if that's applicable i think it is important for her to kind of note that like other people don't know what I'm going through. But then when she is confronted by someone who knows what she's going through, Artie, she completely disregards Artie's opinion. We went through this with her being pregnant, but it's like her Quinn's almost need to be the most put upon person in the entire world. Yeah, that is a good way of thinking of it. At the end of that conversation too, um, Quinn gets the idea to invite Joe to join the glee club and asks him like, Oh, what are you doing after school today? Um, And so we cut into booty camp and she is there like introducing Joe as teen Jesus. (laughs) Admittedly so funny. And he has a twig in his hair, which again, there are moments with this character. I enjoy, I don't know. And then Sue gets up and goes first off don't ask me which celebrity is the father of my baby i will release that information once i've finalized my book and movie deal and then she goes on to um you know apologize for some of the way she's been treating the glee kids while also absolutely roasting them you wasted untold millions on a laser show for yourselves just so sandbags could dance with the night school's polynesian janitor and again, it's like, this would be funny if not for the racism. Yeah. he She calls uh, Sam the Kentucky Fried Stripper, which is good. It It's very funny. Yeah. Um, and she says, well, I've realized something. I'm here for two very important reasons. Number one, Mr. Schuster needs at least one adult friend. Number two, <laughs> I am hoping that the miraculous life growing inside of me can soak up some of your constantly annoying, though admittedly laudable, optimism and decency. Which is kind of sweet. Yeah, I, I do think it also, it gives um, it gives more reason to why she's helping them. Otherwise, it was, I think, still very unclear. And uh, we cut from there to Blaine and Kurt in the hallway again, being adorable as they always are. And I'm Kurt... Margaret Thatcher, dog. My relationship with the queen was rough. Yeah, Kurt is gifting Blaine this adorable little dog stuffed animal. And apparently Finn won it when they were at Six Flags because Rachel kept making him win stuffed animals for her. 
so Kurt confiscated one of them for Blaine. Kurt is, of course, sympathetic to everything that Blaine's been going through with his brother because he totally understands having a brother who, you know, you disagree with on everything. But at the end of the day, you know, Kurt and Finn are always in each other's corners and you only get one brother, so don't give up on that. And Blaine is like, um, no, he's kind of been an asshole to me our whole lives, so it's not really the same thing as Finn. On the one hand, they did kind of choose this, and they didn't have to go through puberty together. Yeah. Also, Finn and Kurt are, like, closer in age, as opposed to being the little brother growing up with a much older brother who's better than you at everything and is always going to brag about it. Yeah. Um, And so Kurt, it, Blaine says, like, oh, well, Cooper's leaving because he has this big audition, but... Kurt says, oh, he's waiting for you in the auditorium and he wants to talk to you. And so they, Blaine goes into the auditorium very dramatically and there's like lights and a band there because I guess Cooper is organized this whole thing. And they sing Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier, which remember Gautier? Until I hear this song, genuinely no. It's also, there's kind of this sad montage during it that's like a montage of all the times that Cooper bullied Blaine when he was a baby, like stealing his toys and shit. And it's, this might be one of the most dramatically staged numbers, like the lighting. It's kind of giving Phantom of the Opera. Honestly, you're right. It kind of is. I don't know if I would say they have like the most amazing chemistry, but they're both such good singers. That, like, I'm here for it. I will listen to it. I like the song, Somebody That I Used To Know. So, like, maybe 8 out of 10. And then he at the end of the song, he says, oh, it's the best you've ever sounded. Which, of course, he would say. Of course, he would say. Clearly, he did not hear Blaine's rendition of Teenage Dream. Clearly, he did not hear cough syrup. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm tough on you but it's only because I, I see how insanely talented you are. And it's like, oh, really, Cooper? Did you steal Blaine's toys as a baby because you saw how insanely talented he was? It's giving abusive parent. Which, I mean, I guess stealing toys is like a normal sibling thing to do, but not a 13-year-old. But also, like, the heck, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to make excuses. And he's like, oh, I just want you to be successful one day, and you will be, and... One day I'm going to be in the audience watching you saying, that's my kid brother up there. I helped him get there. Which is so... fuck up. Yeah, so self-centered. I just have to roll my eyes. And I think Blaine is kind of like, you know what? This might be just the best that I can get from my brother. And that's okay. Um, And he says that um, his audition got canceled, actually. And so... um, he wants to even though we don't live in the same town and we don't see each other all the time they he wants to be friends and blaine's like you know we can give it a shot and as they're about to hug cooper's like wait wait i want to remember this emotion so that i can use it in a scene someday because of course he's always acting too kill me this is the most insufferable actor guy again if i ever went to la I am certain that there are 20 of this guy that I can meet. Yeah. And um, Blaine has the idea to put together a tape for Michael Bay so that they can, like, I don't know, 
I don't. I highly doubt. I don't you, understand what the logic here is. I highly doubt that you could get an audition tape to Michael Bay that quickly. And then we cut to um, Rachel and Finn in the hallway, and she is excited because um, you know the the Niata scouting is going to start soon. So you know she and Kurt have to prepare for their audition. And Finn brings up like, well, have you ever thought about what I'm going to do in New York? And have you ever thought Excellent about... Excellent question! Yeah, have you ever thought about going to California instead? And you can just see the, like, huh? In Rachel's eyes of, like, no, don't suggest something different than what I want. No, no. How dare you make a plan that isn't perfectly in line with the one that I had? Yeah, and so, um, he he introduces this idea to Rachel that, like, hey, Puck has this pool cleaning business that I could get in on. Um, which I actually do think is like a good idea. Um, and you know, you could still audition for your acting jobs and I would be able to support you because I would be making money and we would be married. And Rachel goes, stop. And he goes, well, I'm just thinking about my future. And she goes, I thought it was our future. And this, this kind of brings up, I think one of the biggest uh, flaws in the recent planning of their relationship, because he's like, well, it feels like the conversation's been a little one-sided recently. And, and like... And, like, you're the one who's gonna go off and be a famous actress, and New York is all about you, and there's no other options for me. And, like, if I'm gonna be your husband, shouldn't I have something to say about it? And she goes, if you're gonna be my husband? Oof. Rough. And he ends it with, I just want you to be really sure. I want you to be really sure that you're in love with me and not who you want me to be. And that's where we end the episode. Bomb. Personally, I prefer when we end with a song, but I guess they just ran out of time this episode. This is one situation where I maybe would have liked a bit of a Rachel solo at the end because like that that is a mic drop and a half to end on. So best song this episode, I would say, is somebody that I used to know. I'm going to give it to Rio. I I think it's fun. I think yeah. it's a good mashup. I mean, obviously they aren't singing live, but I, it is so funny to me how Darren Chris can be capital P performing, but also look like you just kicked his dog. It's because of the shape of his eyebrows, the triangles. Worst song this episode? I don't know if this episode has a worst song. All of them are pretty good. I guess it would be the up, 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 just because like it's forgettable. I, don't I genuinely know. forgot about it. So yeah, it's that one. Yeah, I have no opinions on it, so it's fine. Um, next episode is one of my personal favorites. It's Saturday Night Gleaver. Genuinely bangers all around. Bangers all around, where we get attention for Blaine, we get attention for Mike, we get attention for Mercedes. All bangers. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationSpod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Please leave us reviews. Please ask us questions. Uh, please talk about how we're the funniest people you've ever heard of. Because it's true. It's just facts. Yeah, you um, know it. We know it. You know it. We know it. You should spread the word about our show so other people can know it too. Somebody has to still be watching Glee in 2023, and it can't just be us. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye.